We praise the Lord this morning for being able to be together. It's really good to see you. And uh, you can look around and see each other, right? Go ahead. It's okay. And wave. And uh, you can do a holy hug or a holy kiss if you prefer. <laughs> but be careful. <laughs> so we have an announcement this morning Christ is risen. Hallelujah. We thank the Lord for that, don't we? And uh, once again, uh, it's just good to be able to be with you this morning, uh, myself. And I'm very thankful to the Lord and Pastor Paul and the elders for allowing me this opportunity to be with you. Uh, we love the Word of God. Amen. You love the Word. And, and we love those who love the Word. Right, and, and so many of you are like that, and so thank God for that, and it's, that's exciting. And we know that Easter is coming soon, and many of us who are in the 40-day prayer challenge, if you're there, I hope you're keeping up, uh, there was one of the prayers that the author suggested that we would pray for ourselves, and it's a dangerous prayer, uh, but I've been trying it. It's, it's Lord surprise me. Are you praying that prayer? Lord, surprise me. So don't do that unless you're ready, <laughs> uh, because he'll take you at your word. So I have an opportunity to share a message with you this morning. I, I'm sort of like, uh, in case you were wondering, I still am a New York Yankee fan. I, I know. I'm also a Kansas fan. <laughs> uh, but, but I'm coming this morning like a, a baseball relief pitcher. So baseball has a strange thing that they do a lot in the middle of the game or toward the end of the game. They'll bring a pitcher in from the bullpen just to pitch to one batter. And I saw one time that the guy came in and he just pitched one pitch and got the guy out and then it was out of the game. He was a relief pitcher. I'm like a relief pitcher this morning, <laughs> and, and I've appreciated Pastor Paul's ministry and the study of the book of Nehemiah, and, and it's been really, really good, and uh, you know, if you've never been involved in uh, bringing and sharing a message from the Word week by week, uh, it, it's really challenging, and, and I know that Paul appreciates the prayers of the people at Riverside for that ministry. And it's a challenge. It's a lot easier for me like this to come as a relief pitcher <laughs> one week and share with you. But I, I am very thankful. So this morning, I, because Easter is coming, I think that God would have us think of a pre-Easter message, a pre-Easter word from him. Back the last time Pastor Dan was sharing the scriptures, you might remember that he talked about sacrifice and how sacrifice leads to glory. You remember that? Leads to glory. So this morning, if we can think back, we want to connect with that. Sacrifice leads to glory. But we also want to think ahead now, a couple weeks from now, Good Friday and Easter Sunday, when the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Hallelujah. And so we want to connect. We want to connect there. We want to connect there. And 
look at something uh, sort of pre-Easter. So my, my message is from Mark chapter 14 this morning. Uh, in a minute, we will read it. And the title of this message is The Rose. The Rose. A uh, few years ago, I was out walking. I like to walk out in nature a lot and just see what is out there and, and uh, spend time thinking and praying sometimes. Uh, but I was walking by this certain place and I saw this field area. It was full of thorns. It was just full of thorns. And I was astonished then when I looked there closer and in the middle of this was this one single wild rose, bright red rose. And it was just gorgeous and it stuck with me. And so I thought of that when I was studying this passage this week for this Sunday, the rose. Because we're going to be talking about a woman in the Bible whom we know as Mary, who was a woman of all time for us. And I think of her like a gorgeous red rose surrounded by a valley of thorns. And the beauty of what she did will get us ready for the beauty of what God did at Easter. Because back then, just like it is today, opposition to the kingdom of God is just growing like weeds. Amen? Amen. And we in the church of Jesus Christ, we are saying, therefore, let us worship Christ and let that worship grow even brighter and higher and stronger than ever before. So praise God for that. So to start us off this morning, Jan is going to come with a modern day Easter psalm, a short psalm, and then pray for us, and then we'll dig into God's word. So Jan, would you come? Good morning. This is an <clears throat> Easter psalm that was written by Joseph Bailey. You might be familiar with him. He's a well-known Christian writer. <clears throat> He's now with the Lord. Uh, he actually lived in Elgin, Illinois, so close by. Let's celebrate Easter with the rite of laughter. Christ died and rose and lives. Laugh like a woman holding her first baby. Our death, our enemy death, will soon be destroyed. Laugh like a man who finds he doesn't have cancer. Or he does, but now there's a cure. Christ opened wide the door of heaven. Laugh like a man who walks away uninjured from a wreck in which his car was totaled. Laugh as if all the people in the whole world were invited to a picnic. And then invite them. <laughs> Will you pray with me? Father, we just thank you so much for the gift of Easter when your son came and you changed everything. By faith in Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection, we have the privilege to see you and to see your glory. The glory of the one and only who came from you, Father, full of grace and truth. We deserve nothing but death and destruction, but you give us life and joy and assure salvation when you yield, when, when we yield our hearts and trust in you. Father, 
Would you please be with Dave as he shares this message that you've put on his heart? And we pray that you give us open ears to hear all that you have for us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hmm. All right. Okay, thank you, Jan, for doing that. So this morning, we are thinking of a very special message from Mark chapter 14, and I've called it the rose. And I'd like to start out by just asking us a question that we can ask each other. And uh, this is a question actually that came from Oswald Chambers originally. But think about it. This is something you can ask yourself. Have I ever been carried away to do something for God, not because it was my duty, not because it was useful, not because there was anything in it at all, beyond the fact that I love Him? What would you say to that question? Have you ever been carried away in your Christian life to do something for God that was beyond everything else except you're just doing it because you love Jesus that much? It's a great question because that's what happened in this passage to Mary, one of the disciples of Jesus. So we want to read it. It's in Mark chapter 14 this morning. And so if you have a Bible and you want to turn there, if you found it already, if you're looking at it digitally or, or, or listening to it, we want to read the Word of God together. And I'm going to invite you, if you will, if you can, uh, to stand up while we read it this morning. Uh, we're, we're just doing this out of uh, worship for God. We don't have to do this every Sunday, every week, but occasionally it's nice to do it as we recall the Word of God. So we're in Mark chapter 14. Beginning at verse 1. This is God's word. Amen? Amen? Now the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread were only two days away. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some sly way to arrest Jesus and kill him. But not during the feast, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany... Reclining at the table in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, Jesus said. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. I tell you the truth. Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. 
So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. May God be praised from the reading of his word, but also the receiving of his word into our hearts. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. This is a wonderful passage. It's really, uh, to me, it's really intriguing so much that's in there. And I wish I had been there, don't you? I wish I had been there. I wonder what it would have been like to have been there in that place. Uh, Let me imagine with you for a moment what might have been happening. It was the Friday before the Friday. It seemed like everyone was there at Simon's house in Bethany. What a time of warm fellowship and good food. Dwight Pentecost writes, Christ's scathing denunciation of the Pharisees stirred that group into a frenzy of activity. That's what was going on around. But here at home, Jesus could relax with his friends. And so here they are. Martha is in the kitchen cooking as usual. The meal room is nearly full. The 12 apostles are here. And they are relaxing. They're laughing heartily, probably, in between some pretty heavy theological conversations. (laughs) They're having a good time. Simon, of course, is here. Simon is a miracle man, previously leprous, but now supernaturally cleansed by Jesus Christ. He opened his house and his heart to the Lord. Over at another spot there in the room, we see miracle man number two, Lazarus. You remember Lazarus. (laughs) You talk about an object lesson. (laughs) Raised from the dead by Jesus. And he's there and enjoying every minute of it too. And in the midst of the group is Jesus himself. He's taking part in the closeness of the moment, and yet he's not. And in the middle of all this, then Mary comes up to Jesus. Most Bible students would say that this woman is indeed Mary, the sister of Martha. And Mary comes up. Now, Mary's always hanging around. Mary's always hanging on to every word Jesus speaks. Mary seems to have ears on her heart. And at first, no one pays too much attention as she comes carrying her vial of perfume. But then she broke it. And she anointed Jesus' feet, and the other gospel says also his head. And I think when that happened, the room got really quiet. As the fragrance spelled out into the room, all eyes probably were on her. And Judas, the treasurer, spoke up. He said, what a waste. What a waste of money. And the others quickly jumped on board and agreed with him when there are so many poor people out there. And they scolded her. Mary had to have looked hurt. She had meant no harm. But Jesus knew it. And so he interrupted this worship service. Leave her alone. She has done a beautiful work. She alone realizes the hour 
She will be remembered because of her love. And as he spoke, I can imagine, he began looking around that room, that little room, and catching the eye of each person that is there, and finally ending up at Judas. It was a night that Judas could not forget. And it's a night that we will eternally remember. Amen? Because it's in the word of God. Wow. So when I think of Mary, I think of the rose. That Mary is a rose in a garden of thorns. G. Campbell Morgan, famous Bible teacher of days gone by, talks about this section and he says the dominant note of this passage is emotional. It's an emotional passage. Would have been great if we had been able to be there, even to picture what it might have looked like. But of course we're not. And so we can reflect on it ourselves here this morning. Gathered around Jesus are both friends and foes. We're looking at love that is in a frame of hate. We're looking at peace before the storm. What a story it is for those of us who are would-be disciples in 2022. <laughs> I read a funny story a while back about a man who was in a movie theater and he went out to get some popcorn and he came back in, it was dark, you know, if you've ever done that, and he, he couldn't find his seat, couldn't find his friends. He's walking up and down the aisles, back and forth, and finally, after several seconds, he stops and he asks loudly, does anyone recognize me? <laughs> and I don't know if anybody did or not. I think that this is what God was doing here, what Jesus was doing. Jesus left the throne of heaven and came to earth to become part of us. And he entered into a world of darkness and he's walking to and fro and he's saying to the world, does anybody here recognize me? And a few people do, but most do not. And Mary was one who did. <laughs> Amen? Mary, we praise the Lord. So we're looking at this earthly event. And what I'd like to do is uh, just share with you some reflections, five reflections that are, have been imp important in my own heart about this. And then whatever the Lord teaches you and shows you, uh, you can take and run with it and, and see what God says. But five reflections. And so let's take them one at a time. Number one, I think the story tells us this plainly. That worshiping Christ is more desired than serving Christ. Anybody say amen to that? That's dangerous. Worshiping Christ is more desired than serving Christ. Now, we know, we who are followers of Jesus, we know how important it is to serve the Lord. Amen? We know that if you're following Christ, God wants you to be involved in serving and ministry. Everybody, every Christian. But we also know this, that in the Bible, that there is something more important than serving, and that is worshiping. And so it just really strikes me that in verse 6, the Lord said, she has done a beautiful thing to me. 
This thing that happened, can we imagine? He, she's done a beautiful thing to me. So we, we can say this right now, and I think you would agree. We know that service for the Lord is good, but we know that worshiping Jesus Christ is the best. And that's what Mary was doing. Donald Gray Barnhouse writes about this passage, and he says, Worship is the overflowing of our hearts when we admire and adore him. It's the overflowing. And Mary, <laughs> praise God for Mary, she always seemed to be a little too romantic. Did she not? <laughs> and yet Jesus looked at what she did and he said, it's beautiful. Now, some of the English translations just say she did a good deed to me. And that's okay, but it's a little tame because the word actually means beautiful. She did something beautiful. Not just good in value, but good in appearance, aesthetically satisfying, winsomely beautiful. It was noble. Another commentator writes, what we see in this passage is enthusiastic attachment to Christ. Enthusiastic attachment to Jesus Christ. I don't know what you think about that, but that's, that's just really convicting to me. Why, why do you think Mary came to that, that house that night? You think she came for a sermon? Number one teacher of all times was there. She didn't come for that, did she? Uh, do you think she came for prayer requests? I mean, man, the room was full of prayer warriors. Nope, she didn't come for that. Do you think she came for the fellowship? You know, good friends, good time. Nope, she didn't come for that. Do you think she had a really bad week and just needed some relief and she came? Nope, nope. Mary came for one reason. She came to worship Jesus. That's why she was there. Wow, that's striking, isn't it? Makes me wonder, why did we come here this morning? So anyway, that's number one. Does that make sense? So let's move on to another one that is a reflection that we can gain from this passage. That's a picture of a sort of a jar of alabaster. Uh, may have looked like that at that time. Uh, but here's number two. Worthy worship is costly worship. And that has to do with that jar that's up there. For verse 8, again, Jesus said, as recorded here, she poured perfume onto my body beforehand to prepare me for my burial. So, once again, I, I would love to have been there because if we were in that room and this happened, you know, all of a sudden the perfume, <laughs> the aroma would go all through the room and, and we could smell the aroma. I thought about trying to bring some perfume like that this morning, uh, but I didn't want to freak somebody out, you know. But it was very costly. We know that from studying this. It was pure spikenard from India. It was very common at the time that they used to have anoint rabbis and special people. But, you know, this was overkill. This was overkill. She bought a, a jar, an alabaster jar of perfume that was nearly a, 
a year's worth of wages. Now, what do you think about that? You know, Christianity is fine, but don't get carried away with it, for God's sake. <laughs> and yet she did. Somehow we knew, she knew, that you just can't get too generous with Jesus. Do you know that? William Barclay said, this is love's extravagance. Judas cried out, waste. It's a waste. Jesus answered, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. When we consider the glorious person of Jesus Christ, how can we ever be stingy with our time and our money in our own lives? It is insane. You remember Billy Graham, uh, one of Billy Graham's daughters is Anne Graham Lotz, and I love her writing. She's a great author. She wrote about this passage, uh, and she said this, in this simple, profound act of loving devotion, Mary gave Jesus everything, her future, her hope for a future, her financial security, her status in society, her reputation, her pride, herself. By breaking her alabaster jar, she withheld nothing from him and expected nothing in return. And so Anne Graham writes in this, she says, what is your alabaster jar? What is your most precious possession? Is it your children? Is it your spouse? Is it your desire for a child? Is it your career? Is it your desire for a career? Is it your plans for the future? Is it your financial portfolio? Is it your time? Is it your reputation? And she writes, would you be willing to break it, pouring it out at his feet? Pour out your pride and be the first to say you're sorry. Pour out your spouse, releasing him or her for full-time Christian service. Pour out your child, supporting his or her call to the foreign mission field. Pour out your reputation and take a public stand for your faith in Christ. Pour out your future as you surrender your goals and dreams to him. Wow, that's convicting, isn't it? That's convicting to me. I believe we have to say from this passage and others, Mary knew Jesus. Too often in my life, I think I know about him. And not enough do I know him. To really know him is to love him. And to love him is to surrender all to him. The Holy Spirit would say to us on this Sunday, be very generous with Jesus. Be very generous. That's costly worship, amen? But you know, that's not all. There's another reflection here that I think is powerful also. Number three, simple acts of devotion often mean much more than great feats of activity. Do you, do you agree with that? Sometimes the simplest things are much greater than 
the big, glamorous, dramatic things. I love it. Verse 8, Jesus was talking again, and he says at the beginning, she did what she could. Don't you love that? She did what she could. This is great. Sometimes we can shy away from worshiping the Lord because we don't know if our ideas are worthy. If you're such a believer, we would say this morning, take heart, take heart, learn from Mary. Jesus desires what we have, not what we don't have. We often would think, well, if I can only speak like Brother Bill, if I can only sing like Sister Rosemary, but let us recall the widow's might. It's not how much she had, but how much she gave of what she had, right? Another commentator suggests, in this nobility of spirit, Mary was preeminently the Christian. This is the Christian. Dwight Moody said, do what you can where you are with what you have. <laughs> Simple acts often are profound when they are done with extravagant love for Jesus Christ. Have you ever been around somebody like Mary? Wow. I read a story about a doctor who had a little boy, and this doctor was a good doctor, and he's very busy all the time. And this little boy came one day, wanted to knock at his dad's door, and, you know, wanted to come in with his dad's dad's really busy. He said, oh, son, what do you want? What do you want? And he said, can I come in? Can I come in? And so he gave him some candy, and he, and, and he kept knocking. Can I come in? And so, no, what do you want? He gave him another little toy, and, he, and, the, and the little kid just he kept knocking and knocking. And, and finally, the doctor was exasperated, and he said, what is it that you want? And the little boy said, Daddy, I just want to be with you. I just want to be with you. Isn't that neat? So maybe sometimes... For me and you as Christians, we need that attitude with Jesus. It's not that I want this, I need this, I need this, God. I just want to be with you. I have a feeling that that's sort of Mary's heart on that day, don't you? She just wanted to be with him and pour out that perfume. Here's a fourth one. True worshipers always tend to be out of the ordinary. Do you agree with that? True worshipers tend to be out of the ordinary. Once again, in verse 6, Jesus said this, and it was very powerful, I think, at the time. He said, leave her alone. Leave her alone. If we break through the crowd to Jesus, we're probably going to stand out if you don't like to stand out, you better watch out. <laughs> Behold the turtle, he only makes progress when he sticks his neck out, one person said. And often, <clears throat> the people who stand out will be scolded and criticized by religious people. So, if we're following Jesus Christ, we don't go around looking for a fight, right? But don't be astonished if it happens. Because it happens. Once again, uh, Anne Graham Lotz has captured it the best, I think. 
She asks us this question, who has made fun of your faith or criticized your commitment or faulted your service? Who has observed your precious, intimate sacrifice of love for Jesus and verbally lashed you for it? What Judas, what so-called disciple or Christian leader, has flatly told you that Jesus is not worth it? Giving up tennis in order to go to Bible study? Going without sleep in order to make time for prayer? Quitting your job? in order to raise your children? Staying in your marriage when the love has run out? Forgiving someone before he or she asks for it? Forfeiting a luxury in order to support a missionary? Refusing to get drunk when everyone else is drinking? Remaining sexually pure and never having a date. It's painful, isn't it? She writes, it's painful because you stand out. So I don't know if this makes sense to you. In a church, and uh, of course not here at Riverside Church, (laughs) but in some churches, (laughs) the people who are most apt to complain the most are often doing the least. Beware of finding fault with other Christians if you're in the kitchen or if you're reclining at the table instead of sitting at the feet of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, leave her alone. Leave her alone. She's done a beautiful thing. If you're out of the ordinary for God, praise God. Praise God for that. Are you with me? One more reflection maybe in this section. Loving Jesus will certainly not go unrewarded. I like this. This is a a great way uh, to me to sort of conclude this part of it. Loving Jesus will not go unrewarded. Don't you appreciate it in verse 9 when he says, Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told. Isn't that cool? In memory of her. You know what? We're doing that right now. We're doing that this morning. We are fulfilling what that promise is talking about. So she poured out the perfume, and one day, and one, at some point, the fragrance will disappear. It'll go away. It will be accepted by God, and it'll be blessed, but it'll be gone. But the beauty of her spirit will be showcased for others. So we don't always know how and when God will do this. But the Bible says those who honor God, God will honor. That's what the word of God says. Pink in his commentary said this. In embalming him, she embalmed herself. Her deed being the marble on which her name and deed were sculptured. I love that. I love that. So that's the fifth one. Does this make sense? Just to summarize this briefly, the earthly event. These are the things that we've noted so far. Worshiping Christ is more desired than serving Christ. Worthy worship is costly worship. Simple acts of devotion often mean more than great acts of activity. 
True worshipers tend to be out of the ordinary. And loving Jesus will certainly not go unrewarded. That's the earthly event. Now what I'd like to do for the few minutes that we have left, another hour or so, right, Paul? <laughs> is to help us apply this. I'm, I'm thinking of myself. The earthly event and the heavenly meaning behind it in the, in the rose. And um, to just think about what it means for us today. So we're thinking about a rose in a person, as a person, Mary, a beautiful red rose in the midst of an overgrown yard. You have to get up really high and you have to look down to see it. But the week before Easter, Mary loved Jesus. And when I think of this passage, I think of two really gigantic applications for us that the heavenly meaning gives us a picture of. And so let me mention these to us and see what the Lord will show you in your life. The first one I think about tells us that Jesus Christ is like that alabaster jar. He himself is broken and poured out for you and me. Amen? You got that? That, that is so, so important. What she did to him pictures what he did for us. He was broken and poured out for us when he went to the cross. And as Pastor Paul shared earlier at communion, when he died a death and paid the penalty of my sins and yours, he poured out his life for you and me. Just like that jar was broken and poured out, he did that for you and me. And this is so, so very important for us. So I read about a while back about in World War II, a B-17 was coming back over the English Channel and it was all shot up. This is a true story. The, tr the turret gunner had been hit. So the turret gunner was the guy underneath the B-17, if you're familiar with that. It had been hit and the turret was jammed and no one could get him out of it. They were losing altitude over the channel. Finally, the captain had to order bail out to the rest of the crew. And so they did. And the young man in the turret, knowing he was being left behind, cried out in terror. The last man to leave the plane saw the captain sit down and take the young man's hand and say, never mind, son, we'll write it down together. And so they did. And that pilot received a Congressional Medal of Honor for that afterwards because of that. What a great story. But what I'd like to suggest this morning is that you and I were like that young man in the turret. We're the ones stuck. We're the ones terrified. We're controlled and wrapped in our sins. And we're going down. And there's no way out. And then that pilot is Jesus Christ who comes to you and comes to me. And he sits down beside us. He puts his hand on ours. 
And he said, don't worry, son. Don't worry, daughter. I'm going to go down with you. And he did. And he went to that cross. And he took our place and died for our sins. And you know the great thing about the story? Is that in that story, that pilot died. But in our story, three days later, he rose from the dead. And we are alive because of that. That's Jesus. He was broken and poured out his life for you and me. And that's a great lesson for us. Amen? Anybody say amen on that? <laughs> Hallelujah. But that's not all. Because we've got to take it one more step, don't we? This is the obvious one. I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. Here's the passage. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus became the sin offering. Just as Paul was talking about this morning, for you and for me. And when we put our faith in him, he gives us his righteousness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we receive Jesus Christ. But here's our final question this morning. Therefore, if all of this is true, which we believe it is, am I broken and poured out for him? That's the application, isn't it? What she did to him, Mary, what she did to him pictures what we do for him as our lives become broken and poured out to Jesus Christ. Do you ever feel like you're a nobody? I think a lot of us do. Do you ever feel like your life really doesn't count that much? That you can't make a big difference? Well, let me tell you a short story here. I was listening this week, actually, to a story where I was listening to a, a famous mission ministry leader speak and share. His name is Curtis Surgent, is his name. He served with the International Mission Board for years. He established work in unreached people groups in China. Thousands, thousands of them. Movements of the Holy Spirit. He helped be part of catalyzing about 10,000 movements of the Holy Spirit in missions around the world. Five million House churches planted, think of it, 80 million people baptized over 30 years. Curtis, part of this, and he's sharing this story, praising God. And he's saying, let me tell you the, the background of my story of how I got to this point. And he started talking about his dad, that his dad grew up in, in a little hick town in in Mississippi, in a little hick town, a hick church and a hick job. And he was a farmer. And, and when his dad was in high school, he was out on, on Sundays. He would plow the field just like every other day. And so he had a friend in his class at school who was a Christian. And his Christian friend, one, one Sunday on Easter Sunday, got in his truck and drove his truck across the field out to where he was plowing. And he stopped and he said, uh, will you come to church with me today? And, and his dad had never been in church. Wasn't interested in God at all. Didn't have any interest at all. He said, no, no, I'm not interested. 
Forget it. So he drove back. The next Sunday, the guy came back, the same one. <clears throat> came back, will you go to church with me today? Nope, nope, I'm not going to do it. Nope. So he left. But that guy, you know, that young man, he didn't give up. The following Sunday, he came back again, drove his truck out there, found him, and said, will you come to church with me today? Nope, nope, nope. That young man didn't give up. He did that for 53 straight Sundays. Drove his truck out there. Every time, no, no, no. Would you have quit? <laughs> I think I would have. <laughs> Finally, uh, it was another Easter Sunday. He came out there, he said to his dad, you go to church with me today? And he said, and his dad was just, he was getting really frustrated at this point. He said, I got to do something to get this guy off my back. And so he said, I, I'm not going to go today, but if you come next Sunday and ask me, I'll go. And so the young man came back the next Sunday. Will you go to church? He went to church with him. He had never been in a church before. It was a little podunk church in a little podunk city with a bunch of podunk people. And he went in there, never been in there before, never heard the Bible. And, and the pastor preached from the Bible, and, and he listened. And he came back the following week to church, and he gave his heart to Jesus Christ. And God called him to be a missionary, Curtis's dad, and he served the Lord for 40 years on the mission field, and he had a son, Curtis, whom he raised to know and love Jesus Christ. And this Curtis now has touched literally thousands and maybe millions of people in countries all over the world. So his dad, he says, was just a nobody. Nobody knows his name. But he was a nobody that changed the world. And friends, I think that's what I get out of Mary. If you've ever felt like a nobody, in Jesus Christ, he takes a nobody and he makes us somebody in the kingdom of God. And you can be that person at this Easter time. If Easter is coming in just a couple weeks, and it is, isn't it? What shall we do? What shall we do? Will we be willing to be broken and poured out for Jesus Christ, just as Mary was? So I love this story. Do you? Mary is not the only rose, then or now, down through the years. The garden of God is full of roses, different hues, various sizes, multitudes of fragrances. God has promised us a rose garden, <laughs> but we have to be the roses. May God help us to do that. And if you haven't been in God's family, if you haven't come to Christ yet, uh, the things that Pastor Paul was sharing at communion are for you today. If your life has been meaningless or you feel like a nobody, like you don't count, it doesn't matter what you do, if you will come to Christ and let his love overwhelm you so that your love is overwhelming back to him, you can be a nobody that will change the world. For God so loved the world 
that He gave His one and only Son, that whosoever believes in Him will not perish, but has eternal life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you pray with me this morning? Thanks for your time. Father, thank you for this wonderful passage, for this, for this lady, Lord, that we one day will see in person in eternity. Lord, we pray about this this morning. Would you grant by your grace that our lives could be broken and spilled out just because we love you, Jesus. May our most precious treasures be lavished on you. May we be broken and spilled out and poured at your feet in sweet abandon. Let us be spilled out and used up for thee. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.